For 15 years now, Joe Valentini has done the same thing every morning. He gets up from his warm bed in Hoboken, New Jersey, clatters downstairs to the PATH train. It's the shuttle that runs from Hoboken to downtown New York City every three minutes. And the train goes under the Hudson River, and halfway through the trip, something remarkable happens. Joe goes from one state to another, New Jersey to New York. So you're going all the way into New York. What's it like when you cross the border? It's scary. (laughs) Actually, I wouldn't know. It it all happens uh, underground on the train, and uh, when I pop out, all of a sudden there I am in New York City, Big Apple. You know, nobody on the train notices. You know why? Because we take this for granted in the United States. People cross state lines every morning and every night. There are people who have their homes in Moline, Illinois, and work every day in an office in Davenport, Iowa. No problem. And in fact, there are bigger things we don't think about, about state borders. When we send our taxes to Washington, D.C., we may grumble about it. But when they use it to pay for roads in another state, we barely complain. Now, Robert and I, we were just reporting in Europe. And the most striking thing to us when we were there is they do not do this, what Joe just did. They don't move between borders without thinking about it. They don't just send their taxes to a big federal government who distributes it in a certain way. They think about crossing the border and what that means all the time. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Robert Smith. Today's show, instead of looking at bond yields, ECB press conferences, we'll just go to the border and you'll see how hard it is to make the dream of a unified Europe a reality. For Europe to work, for Europe to solve the problems it's having right now with the euro, it needs all its citizens to feel more like Joe Walentini. It needs to make its borders more invisible. Remember, that was the entire idea with the European dream. Yeah, but it also had a fundamental glitch in the European plan because the euro idea was that they could have both that they could have national identity, the sovereignty of each country, they could be who they've been for centuries. And in addition to that, people could move across borders like Joe without even thinking about it, take jobs in different countries, bank at the exact same banks. So let's go to the very center of Europe, a place where Holland, Germany, a touch of Belgium, almost France, all meet inside a building. I'm Zoe Chase. I'm in an office building in the Netherlands. And I'm Robert Smith, and I'm in an office building in Germany, and it's actually the same building. There's a borderline that runs right down the middle of the, what do we call this? We call it Eurode Business Center. Hi. See? We're right next to each other. We're right here. The only sign that we're right on the border is this metal line embedded in the floor of this building. It's the historical divide between Holland and Germany, and... I just have to stop for a second and say, remember, it did not used to be so easy to cross this line. Like, this was an armed border. Tanks would roll in here, and these two countries used to destroy each other. Now, they're friendly enough that our guide, Hans Hofer, he can just walk right back and forth across this borderline without being stopped. Where's the border guard? Border guard? We we haven't any any longer. The Euro Business Center looks like your typical modern office building you might see off the freeway. It's pretty symmetrical. Half of it is in Germany. Half of it is in the Netherlands. It's just a few floors, and there's dozens of different companies inside. 
And everything in this building is twinsies. It's kind of cute. Here on the German side where I am, there is a German mailbox. There is a German policeman who sits at a German desk. There are rows of German companies that stretch out behind me down the hallway. Over here, there's a Dutch mailbox with a Dutch policeman, Dutch companies, and they're all just a few feet away from each other. This building is set up to make it easy to work in multiple countries. In fact, everyone kept saying to us, this building is the symbol of the new Europe where we cooperate on everything. We share a receptionist. We have this single lobby that's in both countries. But for us, seeing this place, it was a reminder of how far Europe has to go. Because when you actually go down the different hallways in different countries and you talk to the businesses, you find out that the way they do business is extremely different depending on which country they're in. For instance, I'm in the German wing right now. And I'm just knocking on doors, and I find this guy, Ramor Pudkins. He's the CEO of a company called Alunza. They sell risk management software to big companies like Adidas. Adidas in Europe. But at first, this just seems like a normal German company. You know, Ramor is taking German phone calls on his German phone. Good morning, Alonso Mitromor Putkins. And we're talking to Ramor about how business works and why he's in the center and all this sort of stuff. And he, he mentions his other office, his Dutch office. And we're like, where's your Dutch office? And he goes, oh, it's just on the other side of the building. It's down the hall. And it's the same business, except in this other office, they have Dutch customers calling on Dutch phones. And he walked down the hall to answer a phone like this. Goedemiddag, Alonza Metromol Putgens. Just to be clear, right, it's not that weird for companies to have a German branch and a Dutch branch. Here's what's weird. They're not usually 40 yards apart from each other. It's not usually the same workers picking up their laptop in one country, walking down the hall and setting their laptop down in the next country multiple times a day. I thought the whole point of having the European Union was so that you didn't have to do crazy stuff like this. Yeah, but as, as long as... Holland and Germany want all their money. It's, it's, it's not one union. Holland and Germany want all of their money. That's the problem. You've got a company that's in the Netherlands and in Germany, and a company pays taxes, of course, right? But who should this company pay taxes to? Which government? So normally this is sorted out by a central government, but the euro, of course, didn't create a central government. So each country thinks, well, I'm going to get as much of the taxes as I possibly can. So Germany wants Ramor's taxes, and so does Holland. And each country has their own complicated tax codes and deductions and exemptions. And when Ramor does the math, he thinks it will be cheaper for him to keep two different offices just across the border from each other. Now, this nationalist urge to grab all the revenue they can, it's not just about taxes. Like, remember those twin mailboxes standing right next to each other in two different companies? I thought they were symbolic. I thought this was a cute thing. We used to be separate. Ha, ha, ha. Right. But no, if you try to send a letter from one end of this building to the other end of the building, from, let's say, the German office of Alonza to the Dutch office of Alonza, and if you put the letter in the wrong box... The letter will go from here to Zertogenbosch with aeroplane to Frankfurt no. and from Frankfurt to Herzogenrad. No, this you, is, li you lie. That's, no. not, that's not true. That's, that's true. It, it takes uh, five or seven days. 
it wasn't supposed to be like this. The whole idea of European integration is the smoothing of the borders. Even our guide, the sweet Hans Hover, he's German and he has his own Dutch twin, the Dutch version of Hans that works in the same office as him in this building. But where is he? Yeah, we asked. We're like, oh, everything's twinsies. Where's your Dutch counterpart? On vacation. Because the Dutch, they get 20 more days of vacation a year than the Germans do. Now, remember, they're working the same job in the same building. In fact, the borderline goes right through their office, right through their desks. But Hans, he has to work 20 more days a year than his Dutch counterpart. This is what being in Europe is all about. These tiny conflicts come up every day. Remember the German policeman, the Dutch policeman, one of them gets a better pension than the other one. So actually right here in this building, on this border region, they're trying to resolve all of these little conflicts. And through resolving these little conflicts, they're building this path towards the future where the euro is healthy and actually works. So Right in the very middle of this building, we, we met with the people that are trying to resolve all of these conflicts. We met this guy, Jan Schlievert, and when we came up there, they had this classic European spread like prosciutto de Parma and then this cake from Belgium, you know, a little Europe thing. And Schlievert is uh, this EU lawyer, and basically his job is when Germany and Holland are fighting over taxes, like the taxes of the Alonza guy, it's Jan's job to figure out what to do. And then by answering that question, answer the question for all the thousands of identical conflicts that are playing out all across Europe. Money is always the turning point for all these laws. Money is the turning point for all these laws. Basically, the path towards European integration is being smoothed by the question, Which country is going to get paid for this? Which country is going to have to pay out benefits for that? And resolving those questions, that is Jan's job. Yeah, it's way more complicated than you might think. For instance, Jan tells us the story of the Belgian carpenter. I feel like this is one of those fables, right? The fable of the Belgian carpenter. So this carpenter lives in Belgium, but he spends his day doing carpentry, fixing up walls and houses on my side of the border in Germany. And then at night, drives the company car home to Belgium, actually just across the border. And then there's a problem because the Belgium taxation office might think, well, you're here in Belgium as a private citizen driving that car. So Belgium wants to tax the car because it spends the night in a Belgian driveway under Belgian stars. But hold on. Germany wants to tax the car because it spends the day on German roads doing German work in a German way. And I know it sounds crazy, but this case went all the way to the top European court to figure out who gets the money when a car crosses the border. I'll save you all the drama. Germany won. (laughs) There was also this totally European but really fascinating story they told us about the French single mother. She's working in France and living in Germany. In France, when you have a kid as a single parent, you get help from the state until the kid turns 18. In Germany, though, a single mom gets state assistance until the kid is 25 years old. It's not even a kid anymore. (laughs) He's he's a full adult, but that's the way Germany works. You get assistance till your child is 25 years old. But because she's working in France, she gets her benefit under French law. Kid turns 19, her benefits stop, and she's all, well, Jan describes it. I'm a single mother. In Germany, where I live, I would get it until 25. 
so that can't be right. And she went to the court, and the European Court decided that in that special case, um, she has actually a right to get the German money, um, although she is covered by French law. But um, we make an exception from the rule, and you're getting, and everyone in your situation gets the benefit. I, I know it's confusing. <laughs> Believe me, the court thought it was confusing too. But it boiled down to this. Germany is paying a French woman German money because the French law wasn't good enough, didn't provide enough benefits. And Jan says this is a case of, he describes it as discrimination. It's not discrimination the way we talk about in the United States, racial discrimination, gender discrimination. It's discrimination between countries. He feels his job is to get the best possible deal for any citizen of any country in Europe. And if that means getting more money than they would have gotten otherwise, well, that's what he thinks is good. It might seem minor, just, you know, this this case of the single mom and the case of the Belgian carpenter. But again, a unified Europe is being created like this, case by case. Hans Hofer says they have a saying. Europa der Regionen, a Europe from the regions. A Europe from the regions, a Europe from the bottom to the top. That's how Hans describes it. It's funny, you know, you could almost imagine Alexander Hamilton saying the same thing in the United States 200 years ago. We need an America from the regions. The difference was that Hamilton and the rest of the founding fathers, they were top-down guys. They believed in a central government, that only a central government could smooth over the borders between a lot of bickering states, just like Europe has now. Now, Europe took the harder road. They decided they would not have a central authority. They were going to do everything from the bottom up. And they have to figure out every single thing. They have to figure out the tax code. They have to figure out the benefits. And let's give Europe a little credit. They're actually doing it very fast compared to the 100 years or so that it took us, um, although it may feel like it's taking 100 years um, watching it play out. Remember that guy in the very beginning of the show when we took the train from New Jersey to New York? It took a long time to make it that easy. That's where Europe is now. Be patient. So this office building, the Eurota Business Center, was actually the first stop that Zoe and I took on a one-week fast whirlwind trip through Europe. We traveled along many of the borders of Europe, talking about not the huge global issues that countries are facing, but the tiny local border issues that countries are facing. And we'll have a couple more podcasts coming up about that. So please send us any thoughts you have about today's show, comments, questions, planetmoney at npr.org, Facebook, Twitter, etc. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Robert Smith. Thanks for listening. <laughs> 